So if you don't mind to start, um, I'd like to maybe just get a little bit of a biographical sketch. And I know a lot of this is already out there, but just for the sake of having it on tape here. Um, I believe I heard you say in the forum that you have spent pretty much your whole life in Champaign. Is that correct? No, that is not correct. Okay. Matter of fact, uh, I left right after high school and uh, continued, you know, my journey. And um, basically, right after high school, I went down to, I went to Parkland, then went to Southern Illinois University, and then um, got married, and my wife, you know, she went to Howard University, and we moved out there, and then uh, we moved to Houston. So I've been gone almost 30 years, you know, working in the industries, and uh, so half my life I've been gone, and half I've been here. Okay. Um, your childhood, though, correct me if I'm wrong, you went to school here? Yes, sir. I went to Edison. I went to Edison Middle School. I went to... Um, Champaign Central, and Parkland College. So I was born and raised here at Burnham City Hospital. Okay. And then I believe I heard you mention SIUC. You went to school there as well? Uh, yes, SIU Carbondale. Okay. And what did you study? Well, it was just, uh, just general studies the first year, and then we went on and moved on to the next challenge. Me and my okay. wife moved and relocated. Um, to, uh, that's when she went to Howard University. Okay. And you mentioned that you've worked uh, in industries for several years. Can you maybe talk about that and what you're currently doing? Okay. Um, like I say, on a, uh, we, I uh, worked in the computer operations programming industry. I worked for an oil company, oil and gas company. And, and um, basically, we worked, back then, we were working on IBM 4300s and the language we were using, RPG2, RPG3, and um, System 34, 36, and 38s. And I went on to that, to oil and gas, and I went on to DHL Airways, where I was a computer operator programming at Central Region Headquarters and um, had the opportunity to... Um, do a 30-second uh, commercial for IBM and a three-minute training video. And uh, after that, I, um, I went to Bally. I went into Bally's Total Fitness while I was the general manager over there, responsible for 15 employees and running the daily operations of uh, Bally's Health Club, one of the top five salesmen in the health club industry out of about 25 clubs. So, um, you know, that worked out as well. My last job I wanted to get in, I didn't get a chance to get it in on the council meeting, was uh, I worked in Chicago, at Chicago Manufacturing Institute as a salesman and a job recruiter. My primary responsibilities was putting dislocated workers back to work and um, working with the mayor's office of workforce development. Now, I don't have a lot of time to elaborate, but as you do the research on my uh, website, you'll find out that, you know, I'm pretty versed in a lot of different uh, areas. Okay. And so um, it sounds like then if you were to be elected mayor, I know uh, Deb is uh, an attorney slash mayor. It's kind of part here, part there. It sounds like you're you're wide open at this point, and you'd be a full time. Yes, sir. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, like I said, she's a full time lawyer, and um, you know, being a mayor is part time for her. But me, I'm I say retired, self employed. I take two of my I'm a caregiver for my 82 year old mother. I have a sister that helps me, so I'm ready to go. We're ready to stop and solve some of these problems that Champaign has to deal with. Okay. And um, just to recap um, and remind me of the years, you ran for council once and unit four school board months. When, when was that? In 2006, I, uh, I ran for an, uh, a vacant, it was a, a vacant seat. I didn't get that. I ran again for council. I ran twice for council in 20, uh, tw uh, 2016. School board, the same thing, a seat came available. I ran for it. It might have been 14. And I ran again for a school board just straight out, and I think that was uh, 16. So two chances at um, city council, two chances at school board, and now I'm running for mayor. If you don't mind me asking your age. I hate to say my age, but no, I'm 61 years old, and uh, 
uh, be honest with you, I have four kids that's graduated from college. I have a, son, a daughter who's graduated from Spelman University, a son who graduated from Gramlin. I got a, another son that's graduated from uh, University of Southern California. And uh, my daughter works for Google University, which has graduated from college. So, and I have seven grandkids. So, and you're not going to have a birthday before the election? No, sir. Okay. I just want to make sure when election time rolls around, you haven't turned 62. No. I wouldn't want to say 61 when you're really 62. No. And to be clear, not making age an issue. Again, I just want to have a biographical okay. sketch. Um, we can start with, uh, and and you alluded to it before we started the tape. But why uh, are you running? Well, I, I, you know, it's a number of things. I'm born and raised here, and um, I've seen things, you know, over the, I'm looking at things from a perspective of 50 years. Um, I was here in the beginning with the Project 500 when the first blacks was allowed to come to the university. I was one of the original PAL members at that program, 50 years of the Boys Club. We lost a lot of great guys, Dave Lawrence, Terry Cole, uh, you know, Walt Jackson, CeCe. All them guys are dying. This is our 50th anniversary. So if this fits the anniversary, I'm sitting around and I'm blessed with some of the best talent out here. It's time for me to do something. So 50 years after all of my work with the YMCA for 20 years and the Boys and Girls Club, it's time for me to run. It's time to reach office. And um, now is the time. At the Candidate Forum, you cited gun violence as your number one issue. And you mentioned that maybe some of the approaches that the city's taking right now are a little misguided and maybe money could be spent elsewhere. What did you mean by that? What I mean uh, with the gun violence, we spend a lot of money. You know, one thing we don't talk about, the millions of dollars that we spend on payout of lawsuits. And I'm saying if it's 10 or $15 million, why can we can't take that 10 or $15 million and put it back in the community and start some diversity programs, have community policing, get the police out the car so they can interact with the youth and know that we're not scared of them. Back in the day, we had basketball games with the boys club. We played the police officers, the firemen and all. We need to get back to that. That you know, They work for us and we work for them as a community. And that's, and that's my big problem. Um, you know, with the crime. There's a lot of things we need to do with the gun violence, uh, over 100 gun, uh, gun shootings, and nothing stopped. And this mayor has not been out front. She has not shown any type of leadership skills and get out here and say, hey, this cannot be tolerated. When gunshots go over and in one community, it affects all communities. That community depreciates in their home value by almost $10,000. We lost $10,000 because of the violence in one neighborhood, and it's not fair. And it affects, when people want to come down to Illinois, um, excuse me, to Champaign and do business with us, they don't want to hear about the first thing they pick on the papers, gunshots and gun violence, we can't control that gun. You know, it affects all of us financially and economically. So if I'm following you, it sounds like more of that community policing might uh reduce some of these excessive force incidents that we've seen, and that in turn would reduce the lawsuits? Am I following you correctly? Yes, because once you got out there in the, and they know everybody, then it's going to calm down. Because if you got a, one of these abandoned houses and you turn it into a little community policing house, you know, where they operate, the officers are there doing the day to protect the elderly and the, you know, the uh, private citizens and everything, it's going to reduce it. Because how many people are going to come in your neighborhood and go on cars violence when they see a they know there's a police headquarters out there. There's a police car out there. So that matters to everything, you know, just to look like you want to do something. And they know, and then the police, by seeing who coming in and out of the certain neighborhoods are gun-riddled and everything, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to switch it up. Basically, you're going to drive them underground, and then that's when you find out where the real problem is. What do you think of the Fresh Start program? Uh, do you think it's working? Should it be continued, discontinued? Should it be changed at all? A lot of these programs, they're good programs, but, you know, they, they, to me, 
they seem like they long-term effect, you know, where you got to wait three or four or five years to really get the, the data that comes in for the program. We, but the problem in the violence that we have right now, we need programs that are working right away. We need to put these folks that's coming out of jail, that are doing all this crime and everything, we need to put them to work to give them real situation and real jobs and put them in some careers that they don't have to sell drugs in. Okay. Um, moving on to video gambling. That's another issue that comes up before the council from time to time. And you mentioned at the candidate forum that you're not necessarily opposed uh, to the concept. Uh, so to that end, how would you like to see it uh, regulated? Um, regulation would go in certain, you know, there, overall, like I said, there has to be so many uh, video game licenses. And then the, the, the way you geographically put them all over the city where one district is not bombarded with, you know, maybe 15 and then another district might have one. We have to have, you know, there has to be some transparency. There has to be some balance. I don't have anything about video gaming. You know, that's what we need. Whatever we can to, to balance this budget and, you know, pay for some of this taxes, I don't have a problem with it. But don't be, you know, kind of, you know, there's people out there, man. Don't be, kind, you know, be, you know, have a... a a situation where, you know, it's more evenly divided and uh, where you appropriate the... Uh, in other words, not a whole lot in one part of the city is what you're saying? Exactly. Okay, okay. Um, we mentioned before I, I started the tape uh, the bike share, the dockless bike share, and now I guess uh, scooters are the next thing that they're considering. Um, how do you feel about that program? They're already here. Should they go away? Should they stay? What do you think? Okay, my platform is Arch and Transformation. Uh, uh, technology. And this plays into the art, you know, the type of city that we want to have that you can, the parks and the recreation, you can ride the bikes. I don't have a problem with the, uh, the bikes all over town, but we have to have like stalls where you, because they're laying all over the place and places where they probably shouldn't be. We, you know, we got to modify the situation, but it's an excellent program because we're saving on fuel and we're helping the environment and with the scooters coming on, the same thing. But the scooters is going to provide us with some liability issues because you know, there's a lot of traffic out there. When you get in on a scooter, the, uh, you know, the ramification is going to be a little bit more than on a bicycle when you're riding on the bike path. Scooters, you tend to get out in the middle of traffic where, you know, there's another issue that, uh, that we have to solve within the city council. Okay. So, sounds like maybe cautiously optimistic. I'm 95% optimistic. Okay. I like their program. Okay. Very good. Um, minority contracts, again, another thing we, we spoke very briefly about before I, I turned on the tape. Uh, there have been recent efforts, as you're aware of, to get more minority-owned firms, women firms, to do business with the city. Um, how do you think that's gone, and do you think more needs to be done? That, what, what do you think about that issue? Well, the programs uh, seem like every time around election time, it comes to, you know, that goes with, the, oh, we got to get the minority uh, uh, contractor foul out there, and we got to kind of improve on what we promised last time. But none of the programs seem to have any teeth because we're dealing with the same thing and the same problem. We have to really go out there and solidify, you know. I know there's some problems with, you know, the contractors that we reach out. But right now, the mayor is just uh, basically putting the fox in, the, in, in charge of the hen house when it comes to a lot of the programs that she um, doing with the mi minorities. It's, a smoke, it's smoke and mirrors. You know, it's, it really don't have any teeth or any bite into the programs. And the contractors I talk to, the, you know, the electricians and the uh, carpenters and the plumbers, you know, is, is, you know, every man for himself. In the city, you know, they come out there and they rubber stamp something, and they don't have any teeth to fulfill it and to follow through on it. I know the city has done at least one workshop recently with those people, but it sounds like if you were mayor, you would 
make that outreach even more. Am I following you correctly? Yes, I wouldn't wait. This workshop should, this is one of the workshops should, that should have been promised the last time that we had this conversation, maybe two, three years, about minority contractors. We're past that point. We got to be out there where we're showing proof that the minority contractors, if you born and raised here in your local, and you, you know, you made all the provisions, we got to go out of our way to make sure, we got to follow through and have a task force to make sure that minority contractors are getting part of these bids. As I pass through Bristol Park and all the big projects, I still don't see, I see outside, uh, excuse me, outside contractors, you know, pretty much doing the job and I don't see any type of minorities out there. Okay, um, let's talk about housing. Um, there's uh, a lot of talk right now about the city code and whether to repeal or modify uh, the section dealing with uh, whether landlords can take into account a person's criminal history, whether to approve them to get housing or deny it. Uh, do you think that portion of the code should be repealed? Um, I'm going to say this. I don't know the exact, all the uh, ramifications of the code, but I, I do say this about the landlords. The landlords have their point of view, you know, which we stand, stand strong with. And the, the people that are incarcerated that's coming out, they have to have a, when, in order for them to be able to get out, they have to be, um, have a place, you know, an address or something that they can get out. People that love them and responsible for them. So if we keep closing these doors and building, um, building walls and making it harder for them, they have to have somewhere to go. But they have to be on their best conduct. They can't come in these neighborhoods and living with these women out here, the women holding them down, working all these jobs while they go off to do their time and everything like their journey and then come back and manipulating our women and taking advantage of them and going back to their old habits. That's not going to fly. So we got to have rules and regulations that they have to abide by, you know. And if you go and you go and get involved in selling drugs or shooting up folks and you living with this per particular woman or whatever, you're bringing her down for a Section 8, and it has consequences. Okay. We can take a pause if you need to. That's all right. No problem. Okay, so if I'm understanding you correctly, as far as uh, what to do with the code, and I understand the code is complicated, yeah. you maybe be, uh, aren't quite there yet, but if I'm understanding you correctly, it's a little bit on the landlord and a little bit on the tenant as well. Exactly, and that's and, and both have to you know a burden. I think one of the codes says something about five years. They kind of vote on if you uh, once you get out, you have to be clean for five years, and um, before you can you know quality to move in. You can't wait five years when you get out because the clock is running. They putting you out there when you're on probation or parole. You have you know you have to have a place, an address, a place to you know lay your head and burden. But anyway, as far as the landlord, you cannot be. Uh, taking money from somebody you know that's not on up and up and when you got folks that you know that been in the neighborhood 30 40 years of paying their mortgage and homeowners and then we get a landlord that he's an investment property and he rent to somebody that happens to have this type of lifestyle and every day and they run all the you know and all the old elderly folks have to stay in their house and feel like they're under fear landlord have to face some responsibility if you continue to put people place people just because you want the section 8 money into a house and you get, you know, more money for Section 8 and you can live out here wherever you can and just come in here and, and we, you know, we face terror. You, there has to be a burden on you. We have to follow that landlord to make sure he's not conspiring and uh, complicit with the elements that we're trying to rid out. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Housing in general, uh, we're seeing new developments go up, high rises go up in campus town. There are some who say we need to pump the brakes on that. The market is saturated. Um, do you think that's necessary? Do you think that needs to be looked at closer to say, hey, you know, we need to study this to maybe see if it's time to pump the brakes? Well, you know, one thing about the U of I and the growth, and we know that the students do need housing, and, um, but my thing is we got to be careful where the next 
eight units, uh, eight-story units come up at, because uh, we got the Latitude pro uh, Project that I kind of, you know, worked on a little bit there. And, and we know that, uh, basically, they out of room, so District 1 over by the Boys Club, Boys and Girls Club, that area is a target, prime target, because we got a lot of investors that are coming in there trying to buy up land chief, and they want to try to, you know, transform, uh, transform that particular property, uh, you know, to U of I students and everything. I don't, you know, we just have to be careful. We're, we're hitting our head on the ceilings, but we might have to, I think we might have to look at going a different direction because we're going deeper into the minority community, flushing them out and pushing them back and bagging them in the corner while growth and prosperity is going on on southwest side of town, you know what I mean? So, you know, it looks like Las Vegas on southwest side of town, but on where we're living at, you know, it looks like uh, Cabrini Greens. So if I'm following you or if I'm understanding you, it sounds like maybe it is worth doing a study on that and finding out where is the best uh, places in town to put these developments? Am I characterizing your comments correctly? And that is correct. And we have to have the community involved in that study as well because, you know, the community is kind of hesitant about the gender manner and the change of landscape and this type of issues because we still, you know, we, we still have contamination problems that we're dealing with over in Fifth and Hill and everything like that. That's underneath the soil and, you know, and we have the drainage problem that we're fighting. Fifth and Hill fall for the drainage, but now it's, you know, we pitting Garden Hills against Fifth and Hill and all of this and we're making promises, you know, telling them we're going to abandon the houses, we're going to knock down the houses that uh, uh, over on Garden Hills now by the tracks, you know, that we said we're going to pledge to do. But then on the same token, we don't talk about this. It's going to be a 16-year project. I'm 60 years old. 60, I'll be 85 when that project go through, and I'm not going to be waiting around to, uh, you know what I mean, to see the, the conclusion and running for council. So that real quick before I, I move off of that topic, um, you're in favor of studying the issue. Would you say... We need to stop with these high-rises until we do this study and figure out what's going on, or can we say they can continue to happen, but at the same time, let's take a step back and, and study w where these need to go? Yeah, I think we continue to let them have whatever we got in the pipeline and everything. You know, that's under contractual agreement. Let them continue with their contracts and uh, new building and anything. We just need to have a, a wider audience of diversity to see which way the city, the vision of the city is going and just kind of revamp it. Because some of the plans that might have been 25-year-old plans or anything like that, we kind of update that and see where we're at now. Gotcha. Um, it wasn't on my list, but uh, you brought up Garden Hills, and that just went before the council this week. Um, you are saying a lot of things that I've heard others say, which is the timeline is, is very long. Is that your chief concern with the project, uh, or, or are there other things that stand out to you about that project? Yes, that's, that's, that's one of the chief concerns, but see, we've been promised projects like this for the last 50 years in Garden Hills. The drainage didn't just happen overnight. We've been promises. We've been put on the back burners, and, you know, I mean, what can I say? Only that, what about the lighting? You know, we don't have lighting. There's no lighting in Garden Hills, street lights. You walk down the floods of street lights. And then, you know, on the other side of town, we're talking about the lights are too bright and all this stuff like that. But see, Garden Hills has been neglected for so many years. And the mayor, you know, they've been promising and promises and promises. And, and, and the community over there, we've lost trust over there. You know, I've, my family's been over there 30 years. I've been there you know, we lost trust because none of the funds and none of the money is coming through there. But folks are paying. It's one of the oldest neighborhoods in Champaign. It's one of the largest, uh, you know, neighborhoods, a thousand. You know, but, and, and let me tell you this. You would be surprised that Garden Hills is on the last of getting U.S. mail. Uh, we have 
you know, getting mail, as far as the whole city, Garden Hills get their mail about 6.30, 7 o'clock at night, and sometimes they don't get it. You got folks running around there, depending on the uh, daylight saving time, running around with coal miners' light on to deliver the mail in Garden Hills because it's one of the toughest routes in the hist uh, in at the post office, and they know that, and nobody stays on the route. They can't keep anybody to do the route. I had not heard that before. Is that just because the mail carriers don't want to go there, or...? It's just not fair. They go out and they time the routes and see how long it's taking. It's one of the uh, longest routes as far as working and it's strenuous, and they haven't solved the problem. Okay, it's a strenuous route. I got that. So as far as the drainage project goes, um, I know it's a it's a tough and complicated question, but is there any way to speed it up, speed speed the the project up, and and get this drainage improvement and get these lights in sooner before people like you, you know, are in your 80s and, and these other folks are in their 80s? And that's true. And, you know, that's what we got to, when, when we walk in here and appropriate the monies and everything, we just got to have a little priority. We got to start giving some of these communities that haven't seen any development or anything. We got to put money there, put our money where our mouth is. And um, we, you know, we got to come up with, you know, the governor got a lot of good ideas with, you know, paying for the taxes, you know, with, I'm not going to get into the subject with, but, you know, it can, be, it can be worked out. If you can take some of this money, some, some of the projects I've seen that we invested in that run across the desk of the mayor that she co-signed on, you know, we could have had, we could have had a lot of our problems could have been solved right now. And that's one of the main reasons that I'm running. Prioritize money in other ways, yes, in sir. other words. Pri okay. Prioritize. Gotcha. Um, a couple things you mentioned in your closing statement at the forum, uh, you mentioned city pensions right. and that um, there may be some problems there, money not being allocated where it's supposed to. Could you expand on, on what you meant by that? Because I know they kind of rushed you at the end there. Okay, with the city pensions, you know, I'm sitting there watching the uh, WCI one night, and they kind of, you know, with the budget coming up, and they kind of mentioned, oh, we got a, what was it, $4 million, $4 million debt in the pensions. And they said, we're going to give you further information Friday. We're going to get back to you. And so Friday rolled around. I said, hmm, I don't see nobody mention anything. And then, you know, next study session came up Tuesday, and they mentioned something where they brought in a certified licensed auditor to say, you know, everything that we doing with the pension problem, you know, this, the governor didn't, we're not going to get much money allocated from the government that we normally get from the state. And I'm saying, oh, do you configure that into what that got to do with pension? Because pension, to me, is city employees, uh, firefighters, police officers, and I'm saying, man, the worst thing, you don't ever mess with anybody's pension, their Social Security or their 401k pro K, uh, program. And I'm saying, you know, I don't like that explanation, I'm, and I'm still puzzling of the explanation that they gave, have given me by saying, oh, we got an auditor. Why is it we got to bring in a, we got a new accountant? You say we're bringing a new auditor to say that you know, everything's all right. It's not affecting me. It's affecting these employees. And, you know, why we don't want to talk about it? To me, that should be one of the first things. What is the problem with that? I see a little smoke. There's a case it might not be anything wrong. We might have the best pension system in the world, but why would they bring it up? And I'm just, you know, reiterating, hoping that somebody would have a little bit more insight or knowledge that maybe kind of dwell into it. There might be, a, you know, smoking gun or something, and that's why I'm bringing it up, and I want to keep it relevant, which, you know, some people want to kill it. So it sounds like, as mayor, that would be a topic you would want to learn a lot about. And as you said, it may be that something's wrong or it may be something is not wrong, but you want to learn about it. Right. And that's what I'm saying, transparency and accountability. We have to have that because if you're doing a shell game, you put you are, you know, because you're giving out a lot of money, a lot of programs and everything, and if you just allocate money over here and using a pension and putting it back and hope that it come back and nobody see it, you know, that might be the case, but we need transparency and accountability so that everybody can, you know, be uh, proud of the decisions that have been made at City Hall. Okay. And then uh, another thing you mentioned uh, in your closing statement at the forum was uh, 
the changing landscape of downtown, businesses coming and going. Uh, do you think there is one or maybe two things that are causing that? Well, uh, my analogy, I talked to, you know, a few business owners are down there and, you know, there's some discrepancies that are going on. And I see some people are talking about parking. They, they want to come up with a new design for downtown and how it's going to affect some businesses and this and that and some of the direction that businesses want to go. If parking has to be a problem, um, whether or not it's a taxes. I see a lot of flight, you know, we see a lot of people that, you know, re-upping and going out to Southwest, which is beautiful and everything like, well, why are they leaving our beautiful downtown? I thought we were building it up and everything like that. So I do have some rev reservations with that, but it's some, it's some, you know, it's some deeper things that are going on with the constituents. And the thing with Champaign-Urbana, we're not uh, family-friendly downtown. You know, we have all of our bars and all of our other things like that, but we want to be able to new champagne. We want to be able to track families when they get off the highway on 57 and 74 and 72, when they come to Champagne and see a game and spend their money, we want them to have somewhere to come through to Champagne and say, hey, we can bring our kids and everything so that they can have a good time just like us. We don't want to say kids sit there and they sleep at the game eating popcorn or whatever. We want to have, we don't have a celebration station. We want to like a Navy Pier type where we can be known for something when you come down to downstate Illinois. I know they are talking about turning that parking lot into a plaza. Um, there are a lot of people who are for that. There are some people who say um, resources should be spent on some of the more minority communities instead of downtown. Um, would, would you, I mean, based on what you just said, it sounds like you would be in support of the plaza. Am I right or wrong? I'm not in support of the, uh, the, the overall, you know, the, the layout of the plaza. I would uh, bring some more people in so we can make it more, a li little bit more uh, family friendly. I, I like, you know, some of the things are good about the plaza. A lot of people are saying, I, you know, well, there's some good and bad about it. But basically, I would like to put my own touch in there and bring some more people and have a wider audience. audience more kids' activities. More kids' activities and, you know. And kind of modify that a little bit because I'm not happy with the total plan. It's a good, excellent idea, but it just needs some modification. Okay. So the things you brought up, the parking, the lack of things for kids to do, taxes, um, maybe. the taxes, uh, would, you, would you maybe want to talk a little bit more about that? Well, see, I don't know the intricacies about what are they offering the owners and everything downtown as far as the taxes and what type of incentives. Is. I'm not, you know, it's not on the website. I'm not privy. They just set up a new portal for their website. So a lot of the inside, interior, you know, private, you know, study sessions, private session, I don't know about. But, you know, I've heard, you know, it, you know, you hear things through the grapevine that, you know, it could be, Certain situation taxes might be a little too high to open and run a business in downtown Champaign, and it might be a little bit more incentive, you know, out there, you know, in other places. So. Okay. So I know they, uh, you know, they do, for certain downtown projects, they give incentives. Like I think for the, the hotel that went up right here where the Metropolitan Building was, they got incentives. I think other projects, they don't do incentives right. on. Um, it sounds like uh, you would maybe, what, take that on a case-by-case -case basis and see what, what works? Sure. Um, and, and see, that goes a lot of with planning and development, you see what I'm saying? Because just because uh, you might get incentives here, you know, we got to get away from, you know, we got, we've been, administration been, been kind of together for 30, 40 years, so everybody know everybody, and it's kind of hard to break into that crest to get jobs and opportunity unless you go through anybody. So even though you might not get incentives up front, you can look at somebody and say, hey, give a wink and a nod, 
and you know you're going to give a favor, you're going to get the hookup. So we got to eliminate that, and we got to have more access and diversity into a lot of the planning and the thinking that goes on to the long-range planning of downtown Champaign. Okay. So all those things that we've talked about related to downtown Champaign, uh, you believe that those are things that the mayor can take, who, whoever is elected mayor, uh, can take the lead on and make some change? Yes, that's part of the leadership of, you know, um, kind of handling all the business downtown and making sure that our downtown is uh, strong and equitable and marketable. And, and it's all on the mayor. The mayor got to get on front of all of these issues. You know, if somebody's having problems, she's got to get out here. And, Why are you leaving? And she got to talk to them. She got to beat the streets. She got to knock on doors. She represents this whole city. You see, she can't leave anybody hanging right now. You know, a lot of people are getting left out because you know, they're not of your party. They don't hang out with your, your crew that's been in power for almost 30 years. Okay. Uh, those are all the questions I had. Is there anything else you'd like to add, either a closing statement or an issue that we haven't touched on? Any, anything at all? Yes, sir. Let me... Uh... Take, yeah, take, take all the time you need. One second here. Uh, got to get my glasses, so sorry about that. No uh, problem. Okay, as mayor, I would like to uh, expand the, outre the outreach of the arts and technology so that all residents of Champaign would have the opportunity to grow as, as one in the state of the art, environment, and technological and manufacturing, high tech, uh, hardware and software, computer jobs. We will work. Uh, we would work with all um, uh, stakeholders that are willing to invest in Champagne's future. Champagne could be the gateway to the arts and technology by leading the innovation into tomorrow's works workspace and creating future startups in the microprocessing field as well as technologies. And that's one of the main reasons I'm running for mayor. And you know, we just need a change. And basically, it's been 159 years, and it's it's time to, you know. I'm not going to do it, hurt the economy or anything. I think I can bring a lot with my sales and marketing and um, just loving the kids and loving this city. And I just hope you get out and vote. Vote for change. Thank you very much.